0: You're listening to Something Real, connecting the reality of God to the realities of life. On this week's Something to Talk About, we are staying in Luke, and this last uh, Sunday's message was called Rejoice With Me, and it's essentially about seeking out the lost. Uh, Jesus gives three parables here that are all kind of similar and yet kind of different, and uh, you'll probably recognize some of these, especially the one about... uh, the sun returning home. We often call it the prodigal son. Um, So it's really interesting how all of these parables are connected and what Jesus is really trying to say here. So I hope you guys enjoy the episode. Good morning. I'm already laughing. Good morning. It's always raining when we're podcasting.
1: It's always sunny in Philadelphia, apparently.
0: That's what I hear. I've never seen that show. I haven't It
1: doesn't seem like something I would watch, but... same.
0: So we are still in Luke, and this last week was uh, kind of... I Actually, I think these, these past couple weeks have been very convicting. <laughs> They've been very uh, heavy subjects uh, last week about, mm. about giving up everything, this week about uh, essentially reaching out to the lost. Uh, these are heavy things, so I want to get into...
1: Well, good. Um, I'm glad. I was afraid maybe I... Softened it too much and it wasn't convicting enough. So No, I a, want
0: you to be a, as offensive as possible. Mm-hmm. Um so I want to get into that. I think there's a lot to to talk about there. But I think first we need to discuss the elephant in the room.
1: Uh,
0: For which I have brought I brought <laughs> I sense that the,
1: I'm already nervous. <laughs> Um, That's a really cute this elephant.
0: This was not as funny as I thought it was. Yeah, kind of that is <laughs> a super cute elephant, It's um actually. from the Little Golden Books, I but can I've tell. never, I've never looks... read this actual story.
1: Really? The saggy, baggy saggy elephant? Saggy, baggy elephant. That's that what I was like. That is brilliant No, I was writing. more
0: of a scrawny, tawny, lion kind of girl. I realize this is stupid now because on the podcast, you can't see that I brought out a stuffed elephant. But if you're on the live stream, this is a stuffed elephant. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, in all seriousness, uh, there is something I wanted to touch on before we get started. You might have noticed if you follow the podcast or... Uh, look forward to you seeing the sermons or hearing them online. That we've had a few technical difficulties, mm. um, which is unhappy. Mm-hmm. Um, the live stream, we're... our sound
1: guys are unhappy. We're we're working hard to figure it out, and we we have ghost issues in this. And
0: yeah, we moved, so. and apparently our sound equipment decided they didn't like that. It's um, very frustrating. So so I didn't post last or this past Sunday's sermon on the podcast as I usually would. It was kind of just unlistenable. (laughs) Um, So So you're saying
1: I need to preach again today?
0: Yes. So let's do like an hour and a half here. Um,
1: (laughs) That's half the sermon. Right.
0: So uh, I will say that we're working on it. The sound guys are working on it. Hi, Dennis. You're working on it. We know. (laughs) Um, So we're hoping to get that fixed soon. I know the live stream sounds kind of wonky too. Uh, It's been compared to bacon cooking um and because there is no bacon then it's uh
1: that just makes me ooh, angry then right
0: oh sorry i just what are we doing oh no how do i get out of this how do i get out
1: of this stacy's freaked out the computer i've
0: done it i have done it okay sorry i was trying to read a comment anyway i guess i can't um so we're trying to get that worked out and uh hopefully uh if you're used to watching the live stream on sunday mornings um we'll get that fixed for you soon and uh, as well as the uh sermon audios we'll get to one
1: way or another it will be better i don't know how and and,
0: there will not be bacon and
1: i don't know if it will be right or it will be good but it will be better we're committed to that one way or another
0: so i just wanted to get that out of the way i'm sorry for my horrible joke so let's start talking about something (laughs) (laughs) something important something real it was wonderful it was (sighs) putting my elephant away and now i
1: have golden books on my Uh, my mind
0: anyway (coughs) so can you give us a quick summary of what was discussed on Sunday, since nobody heard the sermon?
1: <laughs> sure. Yeah, as we were um, moving through Luke, we have gotten to chapter 15, and as we get to chapter 15, um, Jesus has has just, is either still there, or more likely just uh, finished in chapter 14, dining at a Pharisee's house, and um, really kind of confronting his host, and as he's dealing with that, he, he talks to his own disciples and he talks to the crowds that are following him, and is is very, very. Um, I, I don't, I don't know of a good way to say it, but kind of politically incorrect. We, mm-hmm. We're in a world now where we're so used to this universalist type soft gospel that. You know There Don't are many many paths to God, and as long as you're sincere in your beliefs, then we need to all respect that and, and be tolerant and so on. And Jesus is kind of exactly the opposite of that. He says, look, here's, here's how it goes. There's mm-hmm. one way, and if you're going to be my disciple, you need to know going into this, count the cost. We use that phrase a lot. And, and the meaning of that phrase is you need to understand it will cost you everything. Mm-hmm. If you're not willing to give everything, then you're not my disciple, and you cannot be my disciple if you're halfway. Jesus does not accept part-time disciples. So then, in chapter fifteen, he transitioned from that to to uh, addressing. And maybe he's still in the same setting. Maybe he's not. In it, in either case, uh, there are tax collectors and sinners. These these people who are living and in, and. In, observably immoral lifestyle who are seen by the rest of the society, the rest of the good people as being bad people. Mm -hmm. And uh, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law are muttering to themselves and and to those around them. And this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. And so their their gripe, their complaint uh, about Jesus is that he doesn't have any standards of holiness. You know, he's on the one hand they're complaining because he claims to be God. Then they, on the other hand they're complaining because he doesn't have any standards of holiness, and he's uh, which clearly he can't be who he says he is. Because if he really represented God, then he'd look more like us. Right. And Jesus is saying, actually, if you were representing God, you'd look more like this. And then he gives these three parables that all kind of make the same point from different angles. So there are different nuances that go along with it. And the point of all of it is that those who love God share His heart for lost people. So He gives this parable of uh, of a lost sheep. The, you know that uh, if a shepherd has a hundred sheep, one of them gets lost to leave the ninety nine in the open field to go pursue the one. He gives a parable of a lost coin. A woman has ten silver coins and loses one. So she lights a lamp, sweeps the house, searches carefully until she finds it. When she finds it, she rejoices. Has her friends rejoice too? It's interesting to me in both of these cases. <clears throat> Both of these first two parables, um, the the seeker of the lost calls together their friends to rejoice right, with them. Right. So there's a rejoicing that takes place over the lost one being found. That's very much what Jesus is saying uh, here to the Pharisees is if you really loved God, if you cared about God, then your priorities would line up with God's priorities. And you would be excited about these sinners coming to hear the message uh, of the kingdom, hearing that they need to repent and that when they repent then they can be forgiven and saved. If you really cared about God, that would be your heart as well and you'd be rejoicing instead of muttering. Then in the parable of the lost son, which is a nice consistent heading that the NIV gives it here, uh, there are You know, we often refer to it as the prodigal son. Uh, Some folks refer to it as the parable of the faithful father because the focus is on the father's character. And it's
0: probably, (coughs) arguably, the most well-known of these.
1: Yeah, I would say so. It's it's you know certainly the longest of the three. Well, it's
0: become you know a common the prodigal son returns a common saying and. So to, to see where that comes from and how it fits in with these other two parables, right. I think, is...
1: Yeah, it's interesting to me that while the in the first two, it's two, they're very short, right? they're very overt, they're very um, explicit in, in what they're saying. <clears throat> um, you seek, you find, you rejoice, mm-hmm. friends rejoice with us. Mm-hmm. Even using those words, rejoice with me, in both of those parables. But in the parable of the lost son, we see all of those things happening, but it's not stated as explicitly so the story is drawn out more there's a deeper development of the picture but not the explicit concrete statements uh you know explaining it the same way he's already explained it twice so right. now you've got it let's give you a fuller development of it so in the parable of the lost son a man has two sons and, and again it's familiar we know it uh two sons the younger one says i want my inheritance now he gets the inheritance Leaves.
0: It's my
1: money, and I want it now. <laughs> right. He leaves, uh, squanders it on riotous living. You know, he's chasing prostitutes and he's doing all the things that that uh, this bohemian lifestyle that he has are leading him into. So, uh, famine hits, and because the famine hits, there's now the, the the party life is over, out of money. Now what? He ends up in on Skid Row. Metaphorically speaking, he's you know taking care of pigs, uh, which is particularly bad for a Jewish family. But he's he's so hungry, he's doing so poorly that he wishes he could even eat the pigs' food. And nobody will will give him anything. He's starving. I gotta get back home because I was better off there. Even my father's servants, the lowest slave on the on the hierarchy here, is doing better than right. I'm doing. Right. So. I'm going to go back and not try to be a son. I'm just going to beg for enough mercy to, to be a servant. Gets back before he can get even get a spiel out of his mouth, his dad's running to him celebrating and rejoicing. The older brother gets wind of all this. And who's, he's ticked. Who's been there. He's been, been there. Working, he's been faithful. Been he's been doing his right. thing, kept his nose clean. Right. You know, you kind of get the feeling from this that perhaps there were some internal issues. Sure. Now that's not addressed in the parable, and we don't want to add to what Jesus is saying here. But you kind of get that vibe. And so the older brother is angry because, I've been here this whole time. I've, I've been faithful to you. You're not giving me anything. Ignoring the fact that he's actually everything he has, his father's given him. Right. And so he's working. He's getting paid. He's got a job because he's the son. He's in this whole situation. He's not
0: hungry. He's not. Right. He, he has shelter. He is whatever.
1: Absolutely. So the things that he's doing are ultimately, and, and I think we forget this a lot of times, Living that good life mm-hmm. is actually giving him a good life. It's benefiting himself. Right. So you know, you're know, you not really doing dad any favors here. Right. You're doing what's best for you. Right. Your brother was confused and lost. And, and that's the dad. So how could we not rejoice? He was, you've been here all the time. All that I have is yours. Right. This is, we're in this, in this setting, but your brother was dead and now he's alive. We have to rejoice. And he kind of leaves it hanging at that point. That's the end of the parable. I
0: mean, don't get me wrong. I kind of get where the older brother's coming from. Sure. I think that's a natural reaction. Like, it's the little red hen situation, <laughs> kind of. But, I mean, you're he, saying, you know, what I've done all the... It's when we don't get the credit we feel we deserve mm-hmm. for, for things. And then someone... Else, this is why I don't like group projects. <laughs> um, when you don't get the credit you feel like you deserve and then someone else swoops in who maybe didn't do as much or, or right. didn't do anything and kind of just ruined everything and then they get all the glory. Right. I think that's a very natural reaction for us to have, whether it's, I don't know that it's jealousy as much as just like, well, what did I do all this for? What have I been, you know? Sure,
1: well, I would say jealousy has to be factored in there somewhere. We may not think of it that way, but you know, so there's a resentment of a rival. Mm-hmm. You're getting stuff you didn't earn even if I'm getting the same stuff, wait a minute! I earned it. You didn't, right? Earn it. Which is that's what I right. think,
0: because it's so easy to feel or to, to sympathize with the older brother. I think that's what makes this particular parable a little more convicting, because I see myself in it. Yeah. I, you know, I've been oh, And I think you're meant to. I think <clears throat> you know.
1: As 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 we look at this, there is a, Jesus is saying this as a rebuke mm-hmm. to those who are religious, to those who are are. It sounds very damning when I say it, and I don't. I don't mean to do that, but, but, to those who are self-righteous, those who see, hey, I, I've been living right, I'm doing the right things, this is good. Mm-hmm. I, what, you know, generally speaking, we would never say, hey, please recognize me. Right. But in our hearts, we something think to... that. You know, yeah, some people. <laughs> do. Uh, but, but in our hearts, we think that right. when we see somebody else getting credit and we're not getting credit, especially that's really credit irritating. for something
0: you feel you've done. <clears throat> Or, or even helped with, right. or whatever.
1: Yeah. Well, and as a parent, I can identify that from the other side. I get irritated sometimes in myself when I see my kids not getting recognized right. for, when somebody else's right. kids are. exactly. And I have to check that in myself. That's right. a, a flesh issue that is natural, because mm-hmm. I'm a parent, they're my kids. But that's they're an extension of me, so it's the same kind of pride as, right. as what's going on here. Anyhow, um, yeah, there, Jesus wants us to feel that rebuke, if that's where we are. He also, I believe, as he's saying these things, because everything that Jesus says, even though there's a single point in the parable, they're multifaceted. Right. Uh, that's you know what God does throughout the scripture is there's one actual interpretation, <clears throat> even if there are multiple points, there there's one reality that he's that he has there. And if we interpret it some other way, we're wrong. Mm-hmm. Now, we might debate over what that interpretation is, but there's only one right interpretation. As we look at it, though, God does a lot of things in one fell swoop where Mm -hmm. I might Mm -hmm. not be able to do that. I don't have that capacity. My brain is limited. God's is not. So when we look at the Old Testament law, the Old Testament law is doing New Testament things from the get-go. We don't realize it until Jesus comes on the scene, but Israel is seeing the gospel portrayed to them from Genesis on. That never changes it develops there's a uh, what theologians might call a progressive revelation as god is revealing himself more and more as time progresses but the the nature of it doesn't change and god is multifaceted in what he's teaching them so in this parable he's speaking it in response all three of these in response to the pharisees muttering in response to their accusations essentially about jesus and it's a rebuke for them um, it's a comfort for those who are who are lost. It's the hope of the hopeless. Um, and it's also something that, that is instructive to his disciples, to those who want to follow. So if you're here and you're a religious leader, you think you've got it together, and, you, and, and therefore you have a relationship with God because of your doing, because right. of all your good <clears throat> stuff, then to them... This is a reminder that it's not by works of righteousness that we've done, but according to his mercy that he saves us. Right. Not, that hasn't been written yet, but that's the, the point that's coming up here. So if you're one of those lost people, and we see the tax collectors and sinners who are there, clearly, since they're there, they're the impetus for the Pharisees' complaint. Right. They're without question hearing this, and they have some response that that they should have as they're hearing this this uh, this the point of this parable. And so for them, they need to realize, hey, God actually cares about us. We've been outcasts. We've been tossed aside. We recognize our sinfulness, um, even though we may have denied it and we have tried to run from it. Maybe we didn't have any hope before and we gave up. But Jesus is saying that God actually seeks us out. He actually cares more about finding us than maintaining the, the 99 out mm-hmm, there or mm-hmm. the, the 10 coins. He's more, it's not that he's unconcerned right, about those right. who belong to Israel. Right. It's not that he's unconcerned about those who have lived the right life. But you're already here on the path. Right. Now what you do from there is, is your call just as it was uh, right. for, for the younger son. But when one comes back, we have to rejoice. Killing the fatted calf is the right thing. Right. Having this great celebration is the right thing. There's rejoicing in heaven when a sinner comes to re- to repentance. And that's kind of the point that, that um, he has for those who don't have hope, those who are lost, mm-hmm. is, look, there is hope. There's life in Christ. And God wants this for you. He doesn't give you life grudgingly, but he actually celebrates when you come to him. And for his his disciples, those who are already in, um, and I think particularly for the 12, that's just my speculation, but for those who are, the closer you are to Jesus, the more pointed the instruction becomes, and I think that's the same with this, even within the same parable, is that if you're my disciple, this needs to be your heart. Right. And we see that develop after the resurrection. Mm-hmm. Then Peter becomes passionate about sharing the gospel with everybody. And he's preaching sermons. Where he's denying Jesus a short time before that. Right. Then he's preaching sermons in the middle of, of Jerusalem. doesn't matter who's hearing it. 3,000 people get saved because he's declaring the exact same thing that he was denying before. It would have been really easy for him to say, oh, I get it. I understand it. I've got my faith. Uh, that's, it's just me right. and right. Jesus right. got our own thing going. Right. I'm good. Right. You do you. I'll do me. Live and let live. But instead, he has the same passion for the lost that Jesus has, mm-hmm. that the Father has. Paul becomes consumed with that. He's spending his life, he's in prison, writing letters and saying, man, if I could just die and go home, that would be so fantastic. But if I do that, then I can't help anybody walk with Christ. I can't right. help you and I can't help others to find him. So I know that God's going to keep me here because there's work to do. And I want to do this work. Because everything here is about Christ.
0: Well, and I think, and another thing you touched on Sunday, which we've talked about in uh, previous episodes, is God's patience with all of this. This is yeah. why, essentially, that Jesus hasn't returned yet. He He wants as many people that are going to be saved to be saved.
1: And that's what Peter says in his right. letter. It's, it's not that God's slow in keeping His right. promises. People like, well, if He hasn't come back by now, you know, right. clearly nothing's changed. So you forget how God has operated in the past. But understand, it's not that he's slow in keeping his promise. It's that he is patient with you. There is an expiration date. There will come a time. But if he came now, look how many people would not be saved. Until the full measure of those who will come to Christ come to Christ, he is going to continue to delay. He knows when that is. We do not. Uh, But... Man, we should be so grateful because the people that I love who are outside of Christ, if God came back now, they spend eternity in hell. Well,
0: that's what I was going to say. The people who aren't saved might not be thinking about that and worrying about that right now. But you and I are, are, like you just said, knowing that and knowing that we have people in our lives that we care about who aren't, we should be worried about
1: that. Absolutely. That That should be such a passion for us now that we get it. And this is what Paul says in, in 2 Corinthians 5. Now that we know, we know what it means to understand God. And and I would say whenever we see fear God in the scripture, that's really what it's talking about, is understanding who he is. Mm -hmm. Because to know God is to fear God, to recognize that this is the ultimate being. This is the the omnipotent one, the omniscient one, who doesn't just judge our actions, but actually judges the thoughts of our heart. This being who is ultimate reality, ultimate truth, and judges all unrighteousness everything short of his absolute perfection everything that isn't god is destined to be burned up that's a mind-blowing concept mm-hmm. makes thanos snapping half of the universe into oblivion be, be Spo- spoiler alert but, well that's a previous movie so you know if you haven't seen that one it's too late but it, it, when you see those types of things oh that's so horrible right but the reality is all of everything that is corrupted by sin, which means all creation, including the physical laws and everything else, all of that destined to be burned up. Right. The only hope is God's mercy being given to us, which he gives us in Christ. And that's, that's the, the heart, the passion that we see in these parables. If you belong to me, then this is what it looks like. You have to have a heart for people as well. You can't just say, "Oh, let's live and let live," the, a kind of a, a libertarian approach to spirituality. I've got mine; you do your thing. You're responsible for your own spirituality, and, and in a sense, that's a reality that's true. Right. But you can't I have force to somebody, seek
0: you. you know, in a sense to, to right.
1: And actually, that's the balance we see in these right. parables because with the sheep and with the coin, there's there's a pursuit, and uh, without getting too deep into specifics of theology that we see in those god's side of the curtain god is yeah, okay. is doing what yeah. he's doing and he is he is pursuing he is uh in a sense uh, i'll use the term a little lightly chasing mm-hmm. um to to bring back the lost sheep to bring mm-hmm. back and find the lost coin but then that's kind of counterbalanced here in uh in the parable of the lost son and that the father
0: he does lets it, him oh, go right. And he doesn't go chasing after him.
1: He doesn't. It breaks his heart, clearly. You can see that in his response. So clearly he's been grieving over the loss of this son. The heart of the father in this is very much the same passion as the shepherd and the woman with the coins. But he doesn't go try to force the son to come back. Now notice, a sheep and a coin are not the same as a son. Right. Dramatically different. And while he's making the same point about our heart for lost people and God's heart for lost people. Um, there's a balance to it that we can't make other people's choices. Right. And so the focus in this has more to do with the response of the son. That's pointed to the Pharisees mm-hmm. very specifically. It still shows the heart of the father just as the others do. It conveys the, the comfort and the hope for the lost one, so while, when he gets to this parable, it's expanded, it gets more emotive because we're dealing with human beings, so we get to see the nuances of, of, uh, of emotion and, and all that goes along with that. The others are clear, quick, to the point. Now you got the point, let's expand this. Right. And that it's such a big thing to see that that the scriptures are so fanatically balanced. When When we talk about God's holiness, and his mercy those two things in in themselves these concepts are somewhat incompatible mm-hmm. god's perfection must his holy just standard must always be upheld you can't do that and show mercy right and you can't have love without mercy and yet god is love and so god in christ then reconciles us to himself becoming remaining just as always and yet being the justifier. So he pays the price in himself so that his righteous standard can still be upheld and mercy can be shown. The only way for that to take place is for the love of Christ to be displayed at the cross, just the way God does this.
0: Now, (laughs) this isn't easy. (laughs) People aren't... I guess I won't say people aren't frequently tossing themselves my way like this son is saying, "Oh, I want to come to Jesus." Sure. I don't think that's a frequent thing for anyone. You know, if, if somebody knows that you're a Christian, I think it's 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 not a common occurrence for them to say, "I gotta have," yeah, you know, "I gotta have this." Tell me what, blah blah blah. So we are called to to seek out the lost and those that we know aren't saved or, you know, and, and that's not always easy because we <clears throat> develop these relationships, friendships, family members, uh, where you almost get the sense that if you do talk about it or you try to tell them what's what, that they're going to get upset mm-hmm. and you could, you lose that relationship. And I know we've talked about that so before. So go back to chapter four. Right. Exactly. Uh, you know, it all kind of ties together there, but I just think that's these first two parables where, where uh, you're essentially doing the seeking and it's mm-hmm. not someone coming to you or leaping out to you. That's uh, that's difficult.
1: <laughs> and, and that balance becomes really important for us to recognize. Right. It's a both and. And so right. much of what we see in Scripture is a both and. When we talk about God's sovereign election versus human free will, mm-hmm. which... You know, there are ontological issues, you know, that, that we have to look at the nature of those concepts, but, but it's a both and it's not an either or it's, it's God, it all God hundred percent. And yet we still have to choose and yet we can't choose without God, but he still holds us responsible to choose. So it's, right. we can't escape the right. both and in right, scripture. Right, right. And it's the same thing here where we, we have to pursue people mm-hmm. and yet we can't force them to do this. Right. It, it, that wouldn't be, you know, I was just, um, you know, if, if we're talking about any relationship, anytime I force somebody into a relationship, they're not really in the relationship. Right. And so when we're talking about marriages uh, and and we see one spouse trying to be something to please the other spouse, to, mm-hmm. to or let me use the word appease, to mm-hmm. appease the other spouse. So if I just do that, then she'll be happy and she'll get off my back, right? <laughs> right, yeah. But change hasn't really occurred. Nothing's really changed inside of me. I've just found the path of least resistance. Right. So, okay, she, you know, she's really bothered by this. I guess I'm going to do it so that, uh, you know, I can keep the peace. But that doesn't mean that anything's changed inside.
0: And when there's not an internal change, eventually that's going to wear out. Exactly. And you're going to go back to those old patterns. And that's you
1: know I mean? when we see people that that appear to have fallen away from the faith, uh, well, as we look at the scriptural picture, they didn't really have it. Right. They did all the things, but it didn't change inside. Once we're born again, we can't be unborn again. That—that right. that...
0: not to say you're going to be perfect.
1: No, <laughs> no, but that that change of identity doesn't go away. Right. Anyway, before I get too far off of that, back to your question: What do we do with that? And and hopefully, I was you know address some of that in the. In the sermon on Sunday, I don't know if I addressed it well, but hopefully I did. But you know, the question becomes, if if those who love God, share His heart for lost people, then how do we go about this? How do we reflect the reality of Christ's passion for lost people? And the answer really is that we have to reflect the love of Christ in our attitudes, in mm-hmm. our actions, mm-hmm. and according to these parables, in our celebration. That our, our attitude, our, our perspective, our passion, what is it that drives us, this driving desire as sort of the contrast between the Pharisees and the leaders and Jesus. So they see these sinners as an inconvenience. Uh, you know, they're they're kind of a, a drawback. Jesus is, this is why I'm here. In mm-hmm. fact, Luke 19.10, Luke which I would consider to be the theme verse of the entire book, the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which is lost. I really wanted to use that for the memory verse, but I'm going to need it for chapter 19. So, you know, I kind of held off on that. Spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah, I've only been saying it since chapter one. But, uh, you know, as we... As we see this, their attitude was wrong because their perspective was wrong. Their driving desire was not to win more people to God, but to be impressive in their religion. So that changed their action. Because of that internal attitude, that internal perspective and driving desire, uh, Jesus is seeking the lost. He's serving uh, people's needs. He's sacrificing himself, and ultimately in the highest sacrifice, he's saving all those who will come to him because the the change in the change in attitude then drives the action it, it, his perspective and and, de- and desire moves that and if those things happen and, and kind of, reverse engineering this, this is where the Pharisees were really off the boat. Jesus is bringing these uh, tax collectors and sinners and he's preaching the kingdom to them. They should be rejoicing. Mm -hmm. Wow, these people who are far from God have an opportunity to get near to God because Mm -hmm. they're here actually listening and engaging. I wish they'd have been listening to our preaching before and we could have turned them. Of course, realistically, they weren't preaching the same gospel message. But the, the idea of rejoice with me is this should be the heart of every Christ follower. This should be the heart of every Christian. So if we have a passion for lost people that causes us to rejoice, then it kind of undoes that trepidation of, uh, you know, are they going to reject me? Who cares? For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. So if they reject me, if I upset them, if I lose that relationship... Man, I got eternal priorities. We, it, it's more important for me to keep them out of hell by, mm-hmm. by any means necessary than it is for me to have them like me. And if they hate me because I've offended them, but they end up coming to Christ... Then it's worth it all, and if they come to Christ, then that relationship is restored, not only for this moment but for eternity. We become. uh, I just saw a quote that uh, that uh, it might have been Spurgeon. I can't remember that. No Christian is an only child. That Mm. once we're born again, I did. Uh, We're we are in this forever family that can never be undone, and any relationship that we've lost. If, it is in, if we re, regain that in Christ, listen to me stuttering all over the place, if we regain that relationship because that person's been won to Christ, now have we not only won a brother or a sister, but we've won them forever. So now once we leave the planet, we still have that relationship.
0: So the risk is
1: minimal, minimal compared yeah. to the reward,
0: Absolutely. The, the potential reward. And that's
1: really what we're looking at. It's a risk-reward situation. Right. So where are our priorities?
0: You might risk your relationship here. Even for even if it's just for a short time. Right. Because realistically, if you were in a in a strong relationship with somebody, they're not gonna cut you off. Maybe I mean some people might. They might sure. cut you off forever.
1: And if maybe, you're a jerk about it, that's right. one of the things right. that we see. It depends, about like we've
0: talked about before, it depends on the relationship you have, how you approach it.
1: Yeah, and Jesus is is very direct. Right. He's never untruthful, he's also He doesn't Jesus. <laughs> soft sell anything. Right. But he's winsome, right? So as he's doing it, he's not relying on his deity. He's not relying on his Jesusness. Well, even speaking in these
0: parables, you know, it's it's a look at it this way or think, imagine this or blah blah blah.
1: So it's here, right? If you if you want this, here you go. If you don't, well, then you get what you choose. That's basically what he's saying when he says, you know, whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. That I'm telling you the truth. I'm not going to scream and holler at him. Right, now, there are times, you know, he's going to overturn the tables right, in the temple right, right. and all that. But that's a rare exception. In fact, that's the, the only time we really see that from Jesus. He has some stern rebukes at times, but only for those that he's closest with mm-hmm. or those who uh, assume uh, presume to be teachers. Right. That's a pretty harsh thing. And so then he's like, listen, if you're going to be teaching, you better understand your responsibility. But for the lost... He's gentle and he's winsome. And maybe that's part of the problem that we have as Christ followers is far too often we see people as a mission mm-hmm. rather than seeing the mission as people. And that's really the the, the crux of it. Jesus says, go and make disciples. He doesn't say, win converts to your denomination right. or add people right. to your church. Right make disciples find lost people help them be found and then develop in them the maturity the transformation that I've taught to you teach them everything teach them to obey all the commands that I've that I've given to you and if we will do that because our heart is for lost people to be found for God to be glorified and God is glorified by saving the lost then all of that begins to come together, and our, our approach becomes different. Now it's no longer preaching, you wretched sinner, you need to get right, you're going right, to hell. Right. That's the opposite of what Jesus teaches us and demonstrates for us. It, it's absolutely true. There's no question it's true. But that's why he, he says in John 3.18, you're already condemned. That's a non-issue. You're all going to hell. I don't have to keep telling you this. I need to save you. John 3.17, Son of Man came to save, not to condemn. Mm-hmm. So when God sends his son into the world, it's because God loves the world. It's his passion for the world. And it's, again, it's a whole other podcast, but the fact that he uses the term the world says something very specific about God's heart. So God sent his son self-sacrificing so that he could be be both just and the one who justifies and he didn't send Jesus to condemn the world because the world's already condemned. Right. He sent Jesus to save the world. One day, he will, of necessity, at that time of the day of the Lord, he will judge, and then it won't go well for anybody who's on the other side. In the meantime, the reason that he came, the reason for the incarnation, is to save the world.
0: I don't think it gets any clearer than that. <laughs>
1: Well, there's a whole lot more that we yeah, could say. Yeah, I know,
0: so. but we will stop there for today. Uh, thank you guys for listening. We will have a uh, something to think about this week. We slipped up on that. Just Lord willing, really, creek really rise. professional. Uh, so thank you guys for listening. We'll catch you next time.